You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome back once again. I'd like to put out a special thanks to my friends in Puerto Rico. Let me try this. Gracias a mi audiencia en Puerto Rico. Ora todo ustedes constituyen el porciento de mi audiencia. Y me alegro de que estén descargando el podcast. I am trying to learn Spanish. How did I do? I would love to hear from some of my Spanish-speaking audience. Evidently, you speak English very well because you make up 9% of my audience now. So it's it's Friday. I don't really have a big preparation for you. I haven't read a bunch of books, poured over a bunch of uh, Google sites or news articles. Just wanted to maybe do a hodgepodge of different things. You know, the, one of the first things that comes to my mind is those people in the Ukraine. Man, my heart just goes out to them. I mean, I'm looking at streets and buildings that look very much like the cities that I've been in, my neighborhood that I live in, and to just think one day they're going about their lives, living, dying, marrying, having children, it's just absolutely heartbreaking. So keep keep those people in your heart. Man, I'm praying for the leaders of the free world, especially the United States. I think we're lacking, you know, I'll be quite honest with you, when this all first broke out, I was very apprehensive even about the thought of getting involved with something like this, but I think we're already involved. I, I believe Putin is uh, taking great strength from the fact that we are not acting. If you remember when I went over some of the agenda of the communists, it was to convince nuclear powers that it would be mutual destruction and that we should always capitulate when we are forced. So what does that mean? Does that mean that if uh, Putin starts attacking the United States, that we go to the higher level of not going to nuclear war in favor of saving the world? And what kind of world are we saving? I don't know what Putin would do if faced with real possibility of a nuclear war. I have to tell you, and I could be wrong, it's just an impression. I don't believe that he would have done this if Donald Trump were the president. But Biden seems to be confused on a daily basis. And uh, I'm not going to say it's not a difficult uh, position to be in. But pray for for Ukraine. Pray for our president and our leaders that we will do the right thing. uh, Because I don't don't think Putin's going to stop with Ukraine, to be quite honest with you. I will share these thoughts with you, and again, these are just my thoughts. It's one thing if I'm presenting facts with you and making a case and trying to be as unbiased as I possibly can, and today I'm, I'm just talking. I'm just sharing impressions and thoughts. I think it was a huge mistake for Biden on day one to cut oil production, to shut that pipeline down, to uh, not allow future drilling on federal lands. Our need to be energy independent is really showing now, I do believe. The prices that we are paying out of the pump, they are really hurting people. I mean, I'm feeling it. And so if you are on the marginal lines of the socioeconomic classes, I'm sure it, it, it it's killing you. I mean, trucks, truckers are went from spending about 500 some dollars to filling their trucks up to over $1,000. And I think that's something else that gets lost when we're talking about this. There's not 
anything that you go to the store and buy that's not affected by fuel costs. So just going back and forth to work, picking your children up from school, just taking care of just the basic necessities that you need your car for. Man, when you go to the store, grocery store, there is nothing that energy does not touch in some shape or form fashion. There will be an increased price of everything you put in your cart. So I believe Biden was incredibly uh, negligent in uh, not keeping us independent on our on our energies. And there's other countries that need it right now. We were actually exporting our energy prior to Biden coming to office. Not to mention, and again, I'm just talking today. I haven't read anything, but I did hear somewhere that every month we're spending like a billion dollars with Russia. So we are funding that bloodbath in Ukraine. And if we go to people like Venezuela, Iran, we are still working within a very evil sphere, if my opinion again, of uh, supporting Russia. I mean, what, what do we do? We find some other place that uh, it's not coming directly from Russia, and they've got good relationships with Russia. They take Russian oil, put a little bit of money on top of us, and we'll feel better because it didn't come directly from Russia. But more than most likely, that fuel is going to come from an enemy. And again, I just can't stress enough what a mistake it was to think that energy does not play such a vital role in our defenses and our security here in this country. And it's showing now. I'm sure both Russia and China, when they are considering making moves that are contrary to the United States or in opposition to the United States, I think they look very much on our dependency, whether that is fuel, energy, or just necessary products like chips for your cars. I understand we had cars, the Bronco, people had bought them and, and couldn't get them because we didn't have certain chips from China. So the more dependent we are on these other superpowers, it's going to come into play into how they respect us. Whatever you thought about Trump, you didn't like him. There were certain things, the way he said things, I didn't care for too. I wish he had much more of a statesman air about him. He That's just not his thing. But at the end of the day, folks, it's much more important to be respected than liked. I think we might be liked a little bit more in the world today. Possibly, I don't know. Uh, what I can tell you is we are not respected. Okay, that's enough on Ukraine, our energy dependence. And again, those are just random thoughts. Uh, you're welcome to them. You're more than uh, welcome to throw them in the garbage can if you want to. Something else I wanted to talk about, you know, yesterday I did a podcast on black homicides. And I don't know if I drove home the point in which one that I really want to uh, drive home. That percentage of blacks dying at the hands of a police officer, that's one in 1,000. That is a, I mean, that's, that's very alarming. If I was black, I would be very alarmed. I'm very alarmed as a white person and a male. Just the fact that I'm a male, I have a one in 2,000 chance of being killed by a police officer. And I'll just speak as a white man. I'm not a black man. As, as bad as that sounds, I'm not concerned about going out in public and being killed by a police officer. Yes, it's, it's a possibility. But one of the reasons I don't feel like I'm scared to go out in public is, for one thing, I'm not a criminal. I'm not engaged in felonious acts. I'm not violating parole. If I do get pulled over by a police officer, I can tell you, I'm going to be very 
polite. I'm going to be compliant. Even if that cop comes off the rails, I'm going to double down and be very polite. And when I get a safe place to do it, if there's something that needs to be addressed with that police officer, that's that's when it'll be taken care of. In that podcast, I was going to tell you of a story that happened to me. This is a true story. Uh, me and my buddy David, my best friend David, I miss him so much. He was murdered. He was murdered by a black male. Unfortunately, this black male, from what I understand, his both of his parents were very professional doctors and lawyers, I believe, and very politically connected in the uh, county in which my friend was, was killed. My friend did not occupy such a socioeconomic uh, place in, uh, in our world. He, uh, I'd lost contact with him and did not realize that he had found himself on the streets. The way he subsidized himself was he would uh, tutor kids, college kids, in mathematics. Uh, Dave was always incredibly smart in mathematics. Well, just an incredibly intelligent person. But this is the way he would finance the little life that he had. And he got into some type of argument with this uh, young man and... uh, about money, what he was owed for the tutoring that he uh, provided for this young man. And uh, words were exchanged, and the gentleman choked him with his bare hands to death. I'm not sure how he did it, but I think a lot of times we get confused about, is it a race thing or is it a money thing? Is it an affluency thing? Is it, uh, in the United States, is it a matter of how much money you've got? and political connections, which truly play out as to how much justice you can afford. But that was a case with Dave. But back to the story with me and David, we were very young. I think we were 16, 17 years old, uh, maybe 15. We were in South Florida, and you could get a learner's permit in 15 and drive during the daylights. I can't remember all the restrictions, but that is totally impertinent. We were down in Fort Lauderdale. I was coming home to uh, West Palm Beach. I could have taken 95. I could have taken US-1. The best I can remember, we were on Dixie Highway. I was coming up through, I believe I was in Boca Raton, and I was pulled over by a police officer. I do not know why I was pulled over. I was well within the speed limit. I knew I was in an area where if you sped, it was likely that you could get pulled over. I didn't see the police officer. As I passed him, he pulls me over, and uh, there's a little bit of small talk, you know, What's the problem, officer? I'm very polite. Mom and dad gave me the talk. You know, you get pulled over, keep your hands where they can see them, be ready to give them your driver's license and your registration, which I did, at which time the officer asked me to step out of my vehicle. I'm getting a little nervous right now, to be honest with you. I step out of my vehicle, and he's got a very serious demeanor about him. He says, do you mind if I search your car? And, uh, of course, I did. I mean, I hadn't done it. I said, what did I do? And he would not tell me. He asked me again, so do you mind if I search your car? And I said, yes, I do very, I mind very much if you search my car. He said, okay, fine, we'll just sit here four hours until I can get a search warrant, and uh, then we'll do the search. And that's when I asked him, I said, well, you know, what, what did I do? What did I do wrong? And he said, look, when y'all passed me, I saw your buddy, I saw your buddy duck up underneath the dashboard. Now, I don't know if y'all are old enough to know what an 8-track player is, but I had a rigged 8-track player underneath my dash, and every now and again, a wire would come loose. And uh, I was trying to think, and Dave knew the routine when it did. He knew how to go up there and reattach that, make sure everything was connected so we could keep rocking out as we went down the street. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I guess 
I think that did happen. And, and so I, I went to explain to the officer what happened, and that just was not going to bite. And looking back, I can understand his skepticism. And this is what he says to me. Uh, two white boys are never in this area unless they're down here to buy drugs. And I was like, oh, man, damn. So, okay, uh, I wanted to get back home. I wasn't going to spend four hours, and he seemed to be very serious about the matter. And I said, yeah, go ahead, search my car. Uh, fortunately, out of all the stuff I did back in those days, I was not involved in any debauchery or smoking any dope that day. So he strips my car out. It's a 69 Chevrolet Impala. If the police officer is listening and can make any type of connection, I imagine he's probably about 70, 80 years old now. I really didn't appreciate it, buddy. I really did not appreciate it. You stripped my car out. You left my seat on the dash. You took everything out of my trunk. You threw it out on the sidewalk. And when it was all said and done, you found absolutely nothing. It was a waste of your time. It was a waste of my time. But it is what it is. And I guess you felt like you were doing your job. Okay, back to the story. I was being very cooperative anything the police officer asked uh, right up until he asked if he could search my car i'm like you know this is just too much i didn't do anything and after i was posed with being delayed for four hours well i changed my mind but my buddy david on the other hand from the very outset he was he was establishing his constitutional rights he was raising hell he was cussing the officers out and which you know a couple more had joined in uh, after i forgot to add to that a couple more cars pulled up and so as he talked, I w it started out not so bad. And I'd say, Dave, calm it down. Be cool. Be chill. Stop. No, no, he, he would not let it go. He was highly offended that the police officers stopped us for nothing. We weren't doing anything wrong. And David was going to assert his God-given United States constitutional rights. And he did, brother. He laid it out there. But it culminated in him being slammed on the hood of my car. I had just got that car painted. So... Uh, I was pissed off. I was pissed off at the police officer. I was pissed off at David that he just wasn't going to chill out because I knew this was going to come out. To, I, well, I was praying that it was going to come to a good end. I, I wasn't too sure. But what I did know is that Brother Dave was uh, taking things to a level to where we might get arrested on something that had absolutely nothing to do with being pulled over. And it, he was just escalating it to a point to where, well, maybe we could have got, well, they didn't have tasers back then, but you know, I didn't want to get shot. I didn't, or worse yet, I didn't want to get beat up. I mean, they could do it legally, right? So that's my story of uh, a traffic stop that went didn't go so good. Uh, the, the police officer never put his hands on me. Um, he was kind of a smart aleck, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, I kept I kept it in the lane. I, I did what I was supposed to do. And I guess I could have called up to the police department and made a complaint. What really pissed me off, though, was after he stripped my car of everything and left it on the side of the road and spread out on the sidewalk, I asked him, I said, so are you going to put my car back together? And he said, uh, good luck with that. And just walks away. I mean, just leaves me standing there. So... There is my talk about being at a traffic stop. So back to what I was talking about, uh, black homicides by police. A lot of them start off as traffic stops. If you're listening to me, you know, uh, a lot of my friends tell me, uh, Ed, especially my black friends, Ed, you don't know what it's like to have to get the talk. And so it's 
I never asked them specifically what the talk was. I figured it was the talk that uh, my mom and dad gave me. Make sure you have your driver's license and your registration ready to go. Be very respectful and polite to the police officer. Cooperate. If something gets sideways, we can take care of it. Do not, do not make an issue of that out on the street. But, you know, I, I never asked what they were told. So let, let me just say this, and I'm not your mom and I'm not your dad, but I would not start off cussing that police officer out. I would not make any quick moves. And Jesus, I, I mean, if you got a gun in the car, which that was not a problem for me that day, thank God. Uh, man, please know the laws in your state. Make sure it is put up like it should be. And if you're a criminal already, I mean, you're you're putting yourself in danger anyway, which kind of brings me to where I want to be today. This is a uh, call that was fairly recent. You will recognize it because it involved a, I think, a 26-year veteran female police officer. I think her name was Kim Potter. She uh, is at a routine traffic stop. She's training somebody. This was the incident involving Dante Wright, shot by police officer Kim Potter, thinking she had a taser, but instead had her gun and shot Mr. Wright as he attempted to flee the scene. Now that day, Miss Potter was uh, working with a trainee and looking at Mr. Wright's car that day, she probably figured this is going to be a very good car to pull over as we're training today. I mean, there was nothing about the vehicle that looked intimidating it looked like can be driven by a sunday school teacher or something so maybe that's what drew her attention but uh, the tags were out of date and he had something hanging from his rear view mirror uh, that is obviously against or evidently uh, against the law in minnesota and so they pulled him over and this is when they find out he's got an outstanding warrant. So if, if you want to watch this traffic stop, you can. It's on YouTube. It was on the news media. It's like I said, it's one of those incidents because it was a uh, black male and it involved a police officer. It got an incredible amount of play 24-7. BLM got involved. There were protests. And, well, they're, they're getting ready to put cuffs on him. And um, at some point, he decides he's going to break free, and he does. He snatches away from them. There's a police officer that's inside the window trying to cure the car. He just drops. She yells, taser, taser. She's got a gun in her hand. I don't know how in the name of God that happened. I mean, she's the body cam's looking down the side. It's black. It's got the two dots. She's 26-year veteran. But she's yelling, taser, taser, and then she pulls the trigger and she kills the young man. So it goes to court. Uh, when it's all said and done, she ends up getting two years for killing Mr. Wright. Now, some, some things that court and the jury did not hear, and I, you would have to keep it out for sure because it would definitely, I think, taint the jury's ability to make come to a decision of justice and people have different opinions as to what justice is but some of the things that were not allowed in that hearing was that Dante Wright had led a life of crime and violence in the years before his death 
As reported by the Daily Mail, 20 years old, uh, the 20-year-old was involved in the shooting of two of his school friends, a home burglary, and previously assaulted and robbed a woman at gunpoint, Jennifer Lee May, and said Wright shot her son, Caleb Livingston, 18, in the head at a gas station and left him to die in an incident in Minneapolis in May 2019. Caleb now suffers from traumatic brain injury and respiratory arrest and is bound to a wheelchair. He cannot speak and requires 24-7 care. LeMay said, I have mixed emotions about Wright's death. Part of me is content knowing he'll never be able to hurt someone again. But then the other part is furious. When Kim Potter killed him, she took away my possibility of getting justice for my son. Another woman identified only as CV, which stands for Crime Victim, told DailyMail.com. Wright's assaulted her and pointed a gun at her in an attempt attempted robbery in December 2019 that was done with a friend. That friend uh, did go ahead and plead guilty, did time in jail. Mr. Wright was awaiting his time in front of the court to be that to be adjudicated. Now, you might be thinking that I'm trying to impress upon you that he deserved to die, and that's far I'm trying to go back to do you remember when i said to you you have to buy a ticket to win a lot the lottery if you don't buy the ticket as as much as the odds are of you winning that purse or that or the lottery it's not going to happen if you don't buy a ticket it's probably apples and oranges but that's the way i feel sometimes when we read about stats you have a one in two thousand chance of being shot as a male because i don't live such a life of a criminal i think that really brings the chances down of me being shot immensely. And I would say that that would probably play over into the shootings of blacks. The more that you live a lifestyle that's going to put you on the other side of a police officer's gun, the more chance that you are going to be shot. And at least it's alleged, and it is alleged, and I want to stress that it's alleged. These have not been adjudicated and therefore don't stand. But it does paint a picture that uh, Mr. Wright was living a life as a criminal, and not just a criminal, but a violent criminal. Uh, if it stands true that he did shoot that young man, he shot him in the head. He was also involved in another shooting, and it, it involved a, a former classmate, again, him and an assailant or an accomplice. Him and an accomplice uh, went to this young man while he's in his car. The accomplice uh, shoots him in the leg. It is alleged that Mr. Wright went over. It pistol whipped the man. He had severe uh, trauma to the face, his teeth, stole his uh, cell phone, stole his wallet, and a couple of other items. Just that you know the whole story, there is now a an attorney that is representing three of the victims of Mr. Wright, or alleged victims of Mr. Wright, and he is now pursuing a lawsuit. Of course, I'm sure there was a big payout uh, by the city back to Dante's family, and I'm sure they're going for the money in the estate. So... What I was trying to say in that podcast on black homicides, I see a lot of contributory factors. I'm not trying to diminish what the officer did. It may have been justified. It may not. This story, unfortunately, happens more than it ever should. But so often is the case, you're looking at a person who is continually putting himself at odds of being in a violent confrontation with a police officer, I'm sure Miss Potter, when she pulled that, she she got 26 years. I, I, I'm thinking retirement is within months, if not a couple of years, for her. She's just writing, trying to 
get this trainee some time in, make sure he's trained properly. Somebody should have made the time to make sure she was trained properly. But she pulls over a car. I'm sure she doesn't want any problems, but when they start doing the check, they start seeing there's an outstanding warrant, and it's gun-related, and he did not show up in front of the court. They, they had to arrest him. They had to arrest him. And so when he pulled off, it, with, with no regard for those police officers, he could have killed somebody. He, he did not care. He was just going to leave. And again, I'm not trying to make the case that he deserved to be killed. As a matter of fact, to try to stay fair and balanced, I found this statement by a professor, Joseph Daly. It was reported in the AP. He said, you know, you, you, you murder the worst person in the world. He's still a victim, and it's a crime. You can't take the law into your own hands. Even the worst person has a right to life, end quote. I agree with that in various degrees. I disregard. I, I disagree with it in various degrees. But when it comes to a court of law, and this is why it's so hard to be a juror, you have to you have to divorce yourself from all your personal convictions and your feelings. And somebody sits there and they tell you what the law is, what you can apply to it, what can't be applied to it, and much of this was kept out of the proceedings. Uh, so, I mean, you've got some people that would probably think, you know, it might have been an accident, but man, she might have killed something before he successfully killed somebody. And that's just not pertinent to that trial. And that's, that's very hard to put into perspective. Matter of fact, sometimes they will not prosecute. I remember a case years ago of a man's son that was molested by his martial artist instructor, I believe his martial arts. The guy's walking through the terminal. He's being brought back to the, the city in which the crime was taking place, in which he'd be tried. The father is waiting at a payphone, uh, walks calmly out. This guy is flanked by two U.S. marshals. He walks up and he shoots and he kills the guy. That is, that is obvious first-degree murder. They did not, I don't even think they tried it because they did not feel confident that they could get 12 jurors to find this man guilty because of the circumstances that a father killed this child molester. His son was molested by this guy. So, yeah, it's not a perfect system. It is not a perfect system that uh, we deal with. I believe it's the best system in the world that you can possibly deal with. And uh, if you're going to ring out justice in any shape, form, or manner when you're dealing with people, I mean, they try to give you the best odds. You have to get 12 people to come to that conclusion. Um, you know, I think about the O.J. Simpson case. One, one of the jurors has actually come forward and said that was payback. That was payback for all the injustices that was done to black people prior to. Again, it's, it's a very difficult thing to uh, divorce yourself from those biases. And if you can't and you find yourself being picked for a jury, if you, ought, if you can't, you need to be very honest and not serve on that jury. It's a very, very important and crucial role that we play in our civic life is to be jurist. Man, if you honestly can't do that, and, you know, I might have to excuse myself from certain situations because I, I might not be able to get past. I have served on three juries, and I was able to uh, look at those attorneys, and uh, based on the instruction that they gave me, I was able, I was, I was a young man, I had better things to do, and you don't make no money serving on a jury, but it, I believe it's my civic duty, and I did. I, don't know, I, I, was, I was picked to uh, serve on two of them, I was a jury foreman on one, 
and I took it very serious, and I, t- I took the instruction very serious. Um, so rather than just keep rambling, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start tying it up now. Um, these were just ramblings. These are just my thoughts. They uh, don't take them too serious. You don't have to take anything I say serious, but a lot of the programs I do, I do put a lot of study into it, looking at different statistics. I'm going over multiple sources to fact check I will say this in closing about misinformation. Uh, misinformation is not information when somebody misinformation when somebody disagrees with you. That seems to be the overall way you come to misinformation. Sometimes you're talking about topics such as COVID, where you have one physician who is just as qualified as another comes to a different conclusion in the treatment of their patient. What's weird is when you have a third party, whether it be the governor or somebody else gets in between that relationship that might be a good uh podcast anyhow we'll call this uh hashtag fridays where we just tuned in to hear ed ramble please be safe out there regardless of your race uh if something is not being done correctly out on the scene it is not worth your life do not put your life in danger do not put that police officer in danger. You'll never convince me that a 26-year female veteran of the police department looking at retirement decided to trade all that in for two years of prison. So please be safe. Everyone, I love everybody, white, black, I don't care what your color is. Unfortunately, we're talking about race. Because of the history of this country, we're talking about white and black. Black and Asian might be an interesting conversation, too. That's hate crimes against Asians, which involve a black perpetrator, are on the rise, too. Don't see a whole lot of it in my city, but I do go to a certain place where I have services provided, and it is on the up and up. I want you to know (laughs) it is not one of those places, but it is... uh, (laughs) It is an Asian female who uh, performs this service for me. I know this sounds bad, but my wife goes with me, and that can sound kinky too. I promise you it's all on the up and up. Any good Southern Baptist would uh, approve of what we're doing. The only reason I'm being vague is I just don't want to uh, call this person out. But she she has told me about the the blacks uh, uh, focusing and attacking Asians. I, I really don't get that. They're, they're, they're both minorities. And... You need to understand that's just one one Asian person. That that's not a place to uh, make a solid statement about anything. But there does seem to be somewhat of a problem as I look at YouTube and watch six o'clock news of uh, blacks attacking Asians. And in closing, let me just say one more time: I'll be glad when the day comes when we're talking about we, those people who are trying to build this place up against those versus those who are trying to tear it down regardless of their race so with that thank you for me just sitting here rambling uh, taking up your time and that's all that was was some rambling so i won't take no more of your time up i'm out like a scout you have a very good day and god bless you and keep you till the next time we get together on over and under